Let's think about this story a little bit. Uh, last week, Beth used the theme of journeys to talk about Joseph. Uh, the Bible often uses the theme of journeys to help us reflect on our own individual and corporate lives to discover God's action on that journey. Um, I've forgotten a part of my journey this morning. I, I did have a PowerPoint, but I've forgotten to give it to uh, Nick. So you should have a PowerPoint on the screen now, but it's not there because I never gave it to <laughs> Anyway, uh, in the Bible, the theme of journeys is a strong one. So, for example, think of Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. He leads me beside quiet waters. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. God wants to be part of your journey. He wants to partner with you as you go through life. Uh, my personal uh, journey of faith uh, started uh, when I went along to my, the church in my village where I grew up with my family. I went to Sunday school I can still remember my Sunday school teacher. Anybody else remember the Sunday school teacher? If you're a child, you can. Cause you, yeah. Graham, who was your Sunday school teacher? Sister. Was it? Uh. <laughs> Sue, who was your Sunday school teacher? Was she nice? Yes. Good, good. Mine was Mrs. Whitworth. <laughs> anyway, um, so I had this kind of journey, uh, uh, this this. I grew up in a very small village, but we had a massive church in our village. There must have been somebody really rich because they, they, uh, they built this church for us. Um, anyway, my, my journey of faith really took off when I was um, uh, just rummaging around at the back of church one day, and I found a little book, and it was called Journey into Life. Anybody come across that book? Yeah, a few people. And it, it, it's kind of simply and in pictures kind of tries to explain the gospel. And uh, not only tried, it, it was successful for me because I, you know, it really kind of uh, meant a lot to me. At the time, I was going through quite a difficult time. i just um, started secondary school. And I hated my secondary school uh, because... I'd, I'd kind of grown up in a very small primary school and I went to this massive secondary school and it was really all too much for me and it, I had a really tough time. And yet at this tough time, God kind of met with me and just reminded me that he loved me. So that was uh, my journey. The, the theme of journey is used in lots of uh, kind of courses to explain the Christian faith. So the START course, anybody come across the START course? Yeah, that's a, a course that um, Robin Gamble, who, uh, who's a great person in our diocese, uh, came up with. And in the first week of the START course, the uh, people on the course are, are encouraged to draw a, a kind of timeline of the, their life all the ups, the good bits, and all the downs, the difficult bits. So you plot like a, a graph. And uh, the point is to, to try and see how God has been with you throughout, throughout your life. Another, another example of a journey 
is that lovely poem called Footsteps in the Sand. Anybody know that one? It's a, it's a picture that somebody, somebody had of uh, two sets of footprints in the sand. And the, at some points, there's only one set of footprints. And the person who's had this picture thinks, why is there only one set of footprints at the times in my life when it was really tough for me? And the poem uh, says this, My child, I would never leave you during your times of trial when you see only one set of footprints. It was then that I carried you. I carried you. Maybe you've experienced God carrying you at your most difficult times. Uh, Some people have especially desperate journeys to make, don't they? I wonder if, uh, like me, you were horrified this week to hear of the uh, hundreds of Ethiopian migrants who've been shot as they try to enter Saudi Arabia. Did you see that on the news? Shocking. People are making desperate journeys um, as we speak. Some people are getting into boats to uh, cross the English Channel today. Uh, me and Jane have uh, been privileged to, to host uh, four young, uh, young men who've made desperate journeys as unaccompanied asylum-seeking children. So children are making these journeys from uh, places like Eritrea, Sudan, where life is just desperate, uh, so desperate that they would come halfway across the world for a better life, a safer life. Perhaps you've experienced desperate times in your own life, When, perhaps like Jesus, you've lived these words of Psalm 22. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? We all feel like that at times, don't we? Yet this Psalm 22 uh, is an example of a psalm of lament. It's it's a, a strong theme in the Bible that... It gives voice to our, our desperation, our, our when we're in that uh, that pit, that that desperate situation, we can cry out to God in faith. In our Bible performance, uh, for the second time, Jacob sends his sons on a desperate journey to Egypt, and they're going to buy essential food. Like people throughout history who have been hungry and have to, have to make desperate journeys to find food, to find refuge, to become refugees. Uh, this time, um, they're forced, uh, sorry, Jacob's forced to send Benjamin, his youngest son. And this is a condition that Joseph made that they, this time they must bring. Benjamin. Now, the point of this is Benjamin is Joseph's blood brother. Uh, the, other bro- uh, the other brothers have come from a variety of, uh, of mothers, uh, but, but Benjamin and Joseph are blood brothers. Jacob's already lost Joseph, or so he believes. He can't lose Benjamin, his youngest son, as well. Surely not. 
So Judah, ably played by Nathaniel, guarantees Ben's safety and makes himself responsible for bringing him back. Jacob can't lose another son. I can't imagine the agony of losing a child. Forgive me if this uh, causes, uh, brings up memories for you. Recently I led a funeral for a baby girl. The mother couldn't face attending, but the father came. I'll tell you about him a bit later. Just back to the Bible for a minute. When the ten brothers come to beg and to buy food, they don't know it's their lost brother Joseph who has it in his power to meet their desperate need. Joseph is overcome with emotion to see his brother Benjamin. He's conflicted. He wants to help his brothers, but he's painfully aware of how catastrophically his elder brothers have let him down. They've sold him into slavery. So he decides to test them. He gives them food, but they need but he plants his special silver cup into Benjamin's sack. The palace manager finds it. Did you notice in our play what a desperate thing the brothers said? They said, If you find the cup with any of us, let that man die, and all the rest of us will become your slaves. Of course, the, the, when the cup is found in Benjamin's sack, Joseph demands the price. Only the man who stole the cup will be my slave. Joseph's worst fears are coming, sorry, Jacob's worst fears are coming true. He's going to lose Benjamin as well as Joseph. It's time for Judah to step up and keep his promise. Um, when me and Jane were talking about this story last night, she said, this is a weird story, isn't it? It's, it's like he's playing a game. But um, I think it's a wonderful story. Judah is the one whose idea it was in the first place to sell Joseph into slavery. Now he gets the chance to make amends. He says to uh, the palace manager and to Joseph, let me take Benjamin's place as your slave. He's getting the chance to put right his big mistake through his own sacrifice. Sacrifice. I wonder if you can think of a time when you've had to make a sacrifice. Maybe you've had to make amends for something you've done wrong. Or maybe... You've had to put right something that somebody else has done wrong. Parents make sacrifices for the children. Sometimes people take the blame for someone else. Taking the blame for somebody else. Judah's actions to substitute himself for his brother. To take his brother's punishment on himself. This is a wonderful picture, a signpost to somebody else. Do you know who? <laughs> it's one of uh, Joseph's descendants. Jesus is the one who will make the ultimate sacrifice, isn't he? He's going to make amends, not for himself. He's not done anything wrong. 
He's going to make amends for you and for me to put us right with Father God. Jesus dying on the cross for us, the ultimate sacrifice. I love this verse in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. It says this, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That's a wonderful exchange, isn't it? We're sinners, but we become the righteousness of God because of Jesus' sacrifice. I just want to go back to that father at the funeral that I did. I'd uh, finished the words of the funeral service. And... um, At most funerals, but especially at a funeral of a child, it's very tempting to stay detached. I didn't know this child or this family. Um, But what what happened next uh, really kind of uh, affected me. I stepped aside and I said to the father, "Uh, please stay by the grave as long as you like. So then I stepped back and I stood with the funeral director, Sharon, As we were stood there, and the father was stood stood by the grave, he started praying, praying out loud. And then he started singing. And it was the most wonderful singing uh, that you'd ever hear. It was uh, beautiful, it was passionate. This is the song he started to sing. Don't worry, I'm not going to sing. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. Anybody know that song? On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. This man was singing his own lament. He was in a desperate place. But in that desperate place, he was still clinging onto Jesus. (laughs) He was clinging on. In the sure and certain hope that Jesus' sacrifice on the cross is powerful enough to bring his baby, Deborah, to eternal life. Later in the day, when I got back to the hospital, uh, I met with my friend Benji. That's a coincidence, isn't it? Another, another Benjamin. And uh, we, we, uh, we sang this song uh, on Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is singing sand. And um, we came across some strange words in this, uh, this song. Here's one of the verses. It goes like this. When darkness veils his lovely face, I'll rest on his unchanging grace. In every high and stormy gale, my anchor holds within the veil. My anchor holds within the veil. What on earth is that all about? <laughs> We, we didn't understand what this, this meant. My anchor holds within the veil. So we looked it up. We googled. <laughs> and uh, this is from a verse in uh, Hebrews chapter 6. It says this. Uh, Brothers and sisters, we have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain 
where our forerunner, Jesus, has entered on our behalf. Jesus has gone behind the curtain. What's that all about? When Jesus was on the cross crying out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? At the moment of crucifixion, there's a big curtain in the temple. It hides the Holy of Holies, the place where Jews believe that God himself dwelt. As Jesus says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? This curtain is torn in two miraculously. It's symbolic that that because of Jesus, we can now uh, enter the Holy of Holies. We can approach God and be friends with God. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that wonderful? That because of Jesus, we are righteous. We can be friends with God. Uh, Psalm 23 puts it like this. Surely your love and goodness will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen.